welcome to another edition of Downtime Podcast with Elisa and Jeremy. I'm your host, Jeremy. Today, Elisa is on vacation, and so this week's episode will be hosted by me. Just me. So you get a you get the summer of Elisa, and now you have one solo Jeremy cast. Alright, so to kick things off, we're gonna start with some stuff that I'm playing. Um Still playing Judgment. If you heard the last podcast, uh, Elisa and I are playing Judgment, and that is the most recent game from Ryuga Gotoku Studio, the studio that brought you the Yakuza games. Um, this is using the Dragon Engine. It's the same engine that Yakuza 6 and Yakuza Kiwami 2 uh, have used. It's pretty fun so far. I like it. I I don't have any big problems with it. There's a lot of things to do. Uh, there's Usually there's like one or two different cities in the Yakuza games, but for Judgment's case, it's literally just Kamurocho. It's just one city. So I think that they spent more time kind of crafting the city and defining it, uh, making it so that there's a lot of things to do within the city. I mentioned this on the last podcast. I really like how um, the city's a character. There's always shops changing. There's different things that are changing within the game. Um, the city always has some familiar faces like the Sega arcades, um, but there's always new things like internet cafes, cat cafes, um, some new bars that pop up. So it's really cool to see the, the city change, uh, dynamically over time. Um, right now, uh, I'm into the, the drone races. I really like the drone races. I think they're really fun, but of course they can't beat the stock car races that were from, uh, Yakuza Zero, but, uh, so far... These drone races are pretty fun. There's a lot of uh, room for improvement, I think. But right now, I'm really enjoying the drone races. Um, I don't want to go too much into the story. Again, Elisa and I are going to make a spoiler cast in the near future. But for now, we're going to keep it just to like some general topics when we talk about Judgment. So if you haven't yet, please pick up Judgment. You really don't have to play any previous Yaku- Yakuza games to play this one. This is a standalone title with almost no crossover to the Yakuza games except for the city. It just takes place in the same city as all the other Yakuza games. And it's really cool to see that this was pretty much a world post-Kiryu. And I think everyone's pretty much okay with it. Uh, The main character, Yagami, is a pretty good protagonist so far. He's pretty pretty righteous in his uh, his senses. Um, So aside from Judgment, I've picked up Left 4 Dead 2 again and that's because while well first of all I just came back from Japan so I'm kind of I'm kind of jet lagged and uh yeah I, I I get really tired throughout the day my coworker today was like well just drink a bunch of coffee and maybe some Red Bull just try to stay awake the whole day I was like all right so part of my effort is to just not take any naps and go to bed at a reasonable time even though earlier in the day I want to it really doesn't help my sleep schedule, or at least getting my sleep schedule back on track. Um, yeah, more on that to come. Uh, basically, Left 4 Dead 2 um, is a game that my friend and I share, and when I met up with him in Japan, we were talking about you know, more ways to keep in touch and just to uh, you know, kind of find a find something that we can both do together and play like play a game together because like of course video chatting and chatting over text with someone halfway across the world is one way to keep the the friendship going but he and I are both pretty big gamers and he recently bought a Razer laptop so yeah i mean it just makes sense that we play a PC game together and, and he happened to have Left 4 Dead 2 and i've had it for years now 
Uh, I bought the physical copy, I think. No, I, I bought it on Steam. I, that game only came out on Steam, I believe. Well, I think there was a physical copy at Best Buy. Anyways, um, yeah, so he and I uh, were playing Left 4 Dead 2 until like 2 a.m. this past Saturday. Um, one of the nice things about Left 4 Dead 2 is, yes, there's a campaign. Um, there's a whole campaign with like, you know, two different sets of four characters, which is pretty cool. Uh, at one point they meet and, uh, I'll, there's this whole like big backstory that I want everyone to just play if they ever have a chance. Cause Left 4 Dead 2 is a, such a good game. Oh my God. They basically ported the whole first game over to Left 4 Dead 2. Um, the, uh, the great thing about Left 4 Dead 2 is that you can mod it and that's thanks to the source engine and the source SDK. Uh, so a lot of people have made mods for Left 4 Dead 2 and, of course, the other games like Half-Life and Counter-Strike. But Left 4 Dead 2 is great because you could change the skins of the different characters. You could change the models of the weapons of different characters. Uh, but my favorite, my personal favorite things about Left 4 Dead 2's modding community are the levels. So this past Saturday, my friend and I, we played a level totally based in Japan, which was kind of cool because, again, I came back from it and he's currently living there. So... Uh, it was kind of cool to, you know, stomp our way through Tokyo all the way through Kansai and, you know, just kill a bunch of zombies. It was great. It was a fun time. And then after that, we played another campaign um, called Night Terror. Oh, the one before it I was just talking about that was set in Japan. It's called Yama, which means mountain. And there's a reason why. And I'll let you guys find out why. Uh, the other campaign we played was called Night Terror. And uh, there's five levels in the campaign, and they're all based on different media franchises. The first one is based on, like, the, the mansion, mansion I guess, from 28 Days Later. And then after that is, um, oh, what's after that? Oh, the Haunted Mansion. Someone, like, recreated the whole Haunted Mansion ride uh, from Disneyland in Left 4 Dead 2, which was kind of cool. After that is the Mines of Moria. Now, because the Mines of Moria is the third one, it's probably the hardest. Even though we were playing on an easier difficulty, this is, like, super hard. Um, at the very end, before the Bridge of Khazad-dûm, if you haven't seen The Fellowship of the Ring, uh, the Bridge of Khazad-dûm is the part where Gandalf falls, uh, fighting the Balrog. Um, sorry, spoilers, <laughs> I should have said that. Um, but yeah, when you run to the Bridge of Khazad-dûm, two tanks pop out and just start wailing on you, and it's so hard to get past that part, I swear. Even on easy, there's like thousands of zombies running at you. Um, so we had to play that a couple times. Um... Yeah, we finally beat that level, and then we went on to the next level in the campaign, which is this jungle called Welcome to the Jungle, or Welcome to Da Jungle, I guess, and it's based on the adventures of Tintin. It was super cool. I really liked uh, just the, the whole jungle atmosphere that it provided. Um, after that was the final level, which is based on the Evil Dead, which is like this bedroom on the outside, and at the end of it, you have to run to this hospital room as the escape route. Super cool, very creative level. I really like the campaign a lot. It's probably my favorite Left 4 Dead 2 campaign, even more so than the originals that were created by the developers of uh, Left 4 Dead, um, Valve. But it's hard to say exactly how far and how many maps you can download. There's just so many modded maps. Uh, for example, there's a whole, there's three different campaigns that are based on Resident Evil's 1, 2, and 3. And, oh, man, I can't wait to play those. Those just look super cool. It's I ah man, Left 4 Dead 2 is just a game that just keeps on giving. I swear. So yeah, stayed up until 2 a.m. playing those with my friend, um, and then another friend joined us, which was super awesome. At like 1 a.m. So yeah, no, Left 4 Dead 2 definitely brings people together and encourages co-op. 
super recommend it to anyone. Um, yeah, so gaming news. We're going to talk a little bit about the Steam Summer Sale uh, that's happening from June 25th to July 9th. If you have not bought anything from the Summer Sale yet, then, uh, you know, look into it. There's a lot of really good sales. My friends and I last Saturday were talking about playing another game together, and that was Payday 2. I've never played Payday 2 before, but I've always been interested. I was kind of worried of, of how much it would cost. They both own it. They're like, we should all play together. And I was like, well, I'll go see it first. Let me evaluate before I make a purchase. Turned out Payday 2 was only 4 bucks, $4.40 to be exact. And that was insane. I, I bought that like immediately after we talked about it. Uh, all the DLC was like 10 cents. And there was like 50 pieces of DLC, which is so insane. Well, the game did come out in 2013, so it kind of doesn't make sense that this game would be pretty dirt cheap. Overkill's the developer. They've been working on other other stuff, too, like uh, the Left 4 Dead game that came out last year. I don't know if that was really well received, but, um, I mean, it's there. Uh, people argue that Payday 2 is a lot better. We'll see. I mean, Payday 3, I guess, is still in the works. Maybe it's on the table. Who knows? I've only played Payday 1, and that was a lot of fun, but Payday 2 seems a lot more intense and i can't wait to play it with my friends anyways i digress so um steam summer sale june 25 to july 9 um uh, i don't know if y'all heard but there was a controversy around this whole steam summer sale basically you the whole concept of this year's summer sale is there's like this whole race going on and each of the racers are represented by animals and you can join whatever team you want but I don't think you could change it. I think every, I think you're stuck with the team for the whole duration of the summer sale. So basically, the at a high level, the gist of it is if your team does well for that day, the next day at 10 a.m., someone is randomly selected a game on their wish list. The, there's a winner of each team, and it's not it's not really one person that did the the best of the team. It's more if you contributed to it, then I guess you get selected if you're part of the winning team. Um, there's a controversy because, uh, first of all, you got to spend money, of course, to increase the points in the race. Um, there's this whole set of, there's a whole set of rules. Like once you finish, uh, fueling your boost meter and you complete the Grand Prix quests and the games that you own, you earn points that way as well. Um, the points you earn will advance your team in the race when you boost and build up nitro towards your next boost. Boosting with the nitro will help you increase your team's speed. You can also coordinate timed boosts with your teammates to increase team boost level. This is just all so complicated and confusing. I mean, people were up in arms. They're like, what the hell? Like, we don't understand. We're just joining all these teams and buying games, and like that should be it. But no, there's this whole other deeper layer that Steam was like, well, here you go. This will help, you know, encourage people to buy more stuff on Steam and camaraderie and all this other s stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. So... I'm part of Team Corgi. Team Corgi's doing well, I guess. They're number one right now as of this recording. So tomorrow, I guess we'll see. I I only bought one game during the Steam sale so far. Again, that was uh, Payday 2. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm I'm not pretty... I'm not enthusiastic about it. I'm just like, whatever. Um, but the, the tip of the iceberg of the controversy came from indie devs and... People were unfavoriting a lot of these indie games because, again, the winner of the race gets to 
receive a free game. Um, whoever is on the team is randomly selected. So come tomorrow morning, someone's going to randomly be selected from Team Corgi, and they're going to receive a game on their wish list. So there were people unfavoriting indie games because they wanted bigger, more expensive games. You know, indie games are fun, but there's a lot of, you know, more bigger AAA titles on Steam. For example, like Cyberpunk. It's a game that's going to come out next year, or the Master Chief Collection, or Doom Eternal. Um, So these indie devs are getting mad at, at Steam because there was no clarification on exactly which game would from your wish list would be chosen. Uh, Steam did come out and say, okay, so the game that's chosen is at the top of your wish list. So people were like, okay, well, the indie devs, I guess they were still kind of mad that Steam should have clarified it before. But yes, so if you're taking part in the Steam races or if you're curious about it, um, don't delete any indie games from your wish list. Just leave them there. I mean, Steam can see it. The devs can see it. It's just whatever game you wish you want, just put it on the top of your wish list. That's all. Um, but again, my thoughts are, wow, this is just a really weird concept. I don't understand why Steam was doing that, but it's there. It's this year's thing. And hey, it's cool. Um, Super Mario Maker 2 got released. You own a Switch? Let me know how it is. Never really played the Y. Okay, I take that back. I played the first one at a friend's house on the Wii U. That was a lot of fun. Um, Ross from... Game Grumps, I know he's pretty notorious for making maps, and we encountered one of his maps and played it, and damn, that was it was a hard map. Um, it was the one where you just keep running and then you go to the end, but you can't, and you jump up and then you try to you try to jump to the, to the flagpole, but there's an invisible block there. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, this one's supposed to be a lot better. There's like a whole story mode to it. Uh, there's co-op, multiplayer, stuff like that. I'm not too big into the Super Mario Maker, I guess, franchise at this point, but I am interested in this game, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to get, go out of my way to buy it. If someone gifted it to me, I'd be like, oh, wow, thank you. But it's not really a game that is on my priority list. I'm sure you've heard me say this before on a previous podcast, but Animal Crossing is kind of a bigger title to me. Um, So yeah, Super Mario Maker 2 looks super fun. Uh, bigger and better streamers love it so only more good things can come out of this we'll see you know let, let us know if you made any maps and share it with the rest of the community um the final piece of gaming news that i have is that sony and microsoft and nintendo signed a joint form against the trump china tax or the 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 china tariffs that trump proposed or enacted i would rather say Basically, Trump made some laws against uh, Chinese goods, like, I guess, tech- mostly technology. Um, Huawei was affected. I don't know if anyone's seen the news, but Huawei, one of the major Chinese um, electronics manufacturers, was affected by the tariffs, uh, causing a lot of uh, backlash from different companies. And all these companies ended up pulling out of a lot of Huawei stuff and that kind of sucked. I don't know how well Huawei is doing right now. Um, but this tariff also affects video game consoles. So the three big gaming companies, Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo signed this joint form saying we are with the people. We want people to 
um, experience our consoles. We don't. We, there are our consoles are all developed in China, so please don't do this. Basically, um, and they argue that they make most of their sales during the holiday season, and they're arguing that a lot of people buy consoles during the holiday season. Makes sense. So they're doing it for their own best interests, but also, of course, there's this whole do it for the people, but of course, we're still a business thing going on. I mean, I'm all, I'm all for this as long as we still get our consoles a lot cheaper because the console prices would go up significantly if this tariff was enacted on these, these console makers. More to come. Hopefully, Trump and uh, Xi Jinping, the leader of China, come to an agreement during the G20 meetings that were happening in Osaka. Man, I uh, I hope that I hope something came out of it. I haven't caught up on the news, but uh, if anyone knows, let us know. Send us an email, stuff like that. Send, let us know on Discord. Yeah, speaking of G twenty, I was when I was in Osaka. Oh man, the all the coin lockers, coin lockers in Japan are where you can keep your luggage at a train station um, for an extended period of time. They were all blocked. Because people didn't want, or the government didn't want people putting bombs inside of these coin lockers in Osaka. It's kind of insane. Um, it was it was a nightmare when I was leaving the city because uh, I had some errands to do before I left, and I needed to put my luggage out of my hotel. But I, you know, I you check out at like ten or eleven a.m. and then where do you put your luggage? Uh, do you just take it with you? At this point, I just had to take it with me. I couldn't leave it in a coin locker because there were no coin lockers open. Um. Oh boy, yeah. So, uh, I mean, Osaka was fun overall. One of the biggest things and one of my favorite things that I did there was go to Universal Studios Japan. And that was super awesome. I think I'll talk more about it on another episode of SideQuest that's coming out. A little special episode that Elise and I are going to do. But speaking of Universal Studios Japan, we're going to start a little bit of Cube Corner. Cube Corner is a segment on Downtime Podcast where we talk about GameCube games. I have a bunch of GameCube games. I have a whole collection. It's probably my favorite Nintendo console of all time. Uh, Today's episode is about Universal Studios Theme Park Adventure. It's a GameCube exclusive game that is set, and I didn't know this, it is set in Universal Studios Japan. I played this whole game and I thought it was set in Hollywood. I mean, the parks are kind of identical, I'd say. Um, I haven't been to the one in Hollywood in a while, but the one in Osaka was pretty cool. So the game is pretty much loosely based on some of the biggest attractions there. There's Back to the Future the Ride, uh, Jaws, Jurassic Park, River Adventure, E.T. Adventure, Backdraft. Uh, There's also the Wild Wild West stunt show and Waterworld. There's also a movie quiz, but that was, like, super hard. Um... The, this came out in 2001, um, and it was, of course, you know, the, the Back to the Future ride isn't there anymore, E.T. isn't there anymore, Backdraft, it's still there, actually, surprisingly, but Back to the Future and E.T. were cut out of the park in favor of other rides, so this is kind of a, of a this is kind of a reflection of the time, which is kind of cool, because it's, like, basically the theme park um, as it was. So, you play as a little avatar, boy or a girl, 
different ethnicities. You go around the park. Um, your host throughout the whole park is Woody Woodpecker. A lot of people don't know who that is. I kind of still don't know who that is. Um, but he's basically the guy you buy items from. Um, you collect points. You, you use those points to buy different hats to access different rides. You can also access different ways of getting around the park faster. The best one I wanted was the hoverboard. And I still, to this day, I don't know how to get it. That was the only thing that my brother and I had left to do in the game was to collect the hoverboard. We have enough. We have like way too many points um, by the time we finish the game. And we're like, how do we get the hoverboard? Like, why is it so hard to get this hoverboard? So if you know how to get the hoverboard, let me know. Because I'll go back and I'll try to get it. Anyway, so every ride in the game is basically a mini game. And when you beat the mini game, depending on how well you did in the mini game, you'll get a certain number of points. Um, so the Back to the Future ride is pretty much based on the actual ride. You're you're chasing after Biff Tannen in another in another DeLorean. You're driving another. You're driving the quote unquote ride DeLorean. You're chasing him through like Hill Valley 2015. You're chasing him through the ice age and then you go to like the volcano area there's no t-rex unfortunately that was the part that i was like come on like if how is this true to the actual park if there's no t-rex there um so that was cool that, that's one of my favorites uh and you have to like finish the whole ride in a certain amount of time and once you do you you win and you get points the jaws one was interesting because you it puts you on Oh, forgive me. I don't know the name of. I forgot the name of the boat. Um. Uh, the puts you on the boat in Jaws, and you Jaws will come out and bite off pieces of the boat, and then you have to throw explosive barrels at Jaws in order for him to back away. And after the timer runs out, you win. Get points for that. The other one is Jurassic Park River Adventure, but this isn't in a river. You're in the back of one of the gas-powered jeeps from the Jurassic Park movie, the first one. And you're driving through Jurassic Park and you encounter different dinosaurs and you shoot them with a gun, but not like a real gun. It's like a laser gun that tranquilizes them. I don't know, but it was cool. It was definitely different from the actual ride, but it was still cool to see. One of my favorite things about the whole Universal Studios theme parks are the Jurassic Park rides. Um, unfortunately, the one I went to was closed at Osaka. Um so we'll see. I heard the Hollywood one is closed as well to make way for the Jurassic World theme that they're putting over it, which is pretty cool. I mean, I, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of Jurassic World. I prefer the first three movies over the over the current ones. But anyways, that's a whole other separate conversation. E.T. is pretty cool because you're uh, riding a bike with E.T. in it through basically from the point in the movie where. Elliot's like riding the bike all the way up until you start flying and you have to avoid potholes. You have to make it in a certain amount of time, you basically get ET to a ship. Uh, definitely based on the ride. The ride is exactly like that. Um, so it's nice. It's nice to see that they kind of were one-to-one -one almost with the, the game and the ride. The wild wild west thing is basically one of those, uh, light gun games but of course using your controller as the gun uh just shoot a bunch of targets get points for that and then uh water world is you're watching a uh a, a 3d cutscene from different angles uh for those that don't know the water world stunt show is 
oh man, what is it? It's based on the movie Waterworld. I don't know if anyone's seen that movie. I've seen it like twice. Eh, it was okay. Uh, it stars Kevin Costner. Um, and there's like a plane that blasts through, which is one of the big stunts in the whole stunt show. Uh, you might get wet if you sit in the front row. row. Um, yeah, there's just like a bunch of action in space on the, the movie, which is about a bunch of people that are floating in the water because the whole world um, is flooded due to, you know, climate change. And the whole point of the people are people that are floating on the water is to find land. Um, so, yeah, this is just the snippet from the stunt show. And it was okay. Uh, it, it was more like a cutscene that has nothing to do with anything else in the park. They could have honestly just done without it. Oh, I forgot Backdraft. Backdraft is basically you're a firefighter going through a building and you just save people and spray them with water or fire extinguisher or whatever. Wow, that was a long cube corner segment. But yeah, so that was Universal Studios Theme Parks Adventure. If you haven't played it yet, if you're a fan of the Jurassic Park or Back to the Future franchises, or if you're a fan of Universal stuff, then uh, check it out. It's okay. I mean, as an adult playing it again, I was just like, oh, I basically could just go there in real life. But going there in the game is a lot cheaper than going there in real life. Yeah, it's um, it's a good game, though. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it when I was a kid. And that ends this corner of, or this segment of Cube Corner. Man, I'm getting confused. It's the jet lag, I swear. <laughs> oh, man. Um, in other random news, my computer hard drive crashed. Not the main one. That already happened. That was a whole ordeal that I replaced my SSD with. So basically, my computer has had four hard drives, including the SSD. Uh, one of the three mechanical hard drives failed, and I'm still going strong with the other two but one of the three failed and um yeah well, the only things that were on there were my my steam games so i'm gonna replace it later this month with a six terabyte hard drive so should be a fun time um i've done a lot of work to this computer my desktop to make it to the way it is now i'm trying to make it last a few more years um it's coming up it's aging it's about five years old now I think, no, six years old. Yeah, six years old. But the motherboard is six years old. Um, the RAM is pretty old too, but I've added more to kind of increase performance in a certain sense. It's still kind of slow. It's getting slow, but it's I'm, it's hanging on for dear life, and I think it's going to go strong for another hopefully, hopefully five years. I'm running a i7 and a 970 in here, a GTX NVIDIA 970. Um, but, hey, I mean, it's it's pretty cool still. I like it. It's it's my baby, my baby computer. So, yeah, more to come. If I ever upgrade it, I'll let you guys know. But right now, it's still it is what it is. Uh, So, I know a last time alisa did a little get to know me podcast during the summer of alisa she did uh you know random 20 questions to get her to get to get to know her better um to kind of build off of that i wanted to do five questions five randomly selected questions to get to know me a little more during the solo cast so hopefully 
by the end of these five questions, you guys might know me a little better. Um, question number one. Are you usually early or late? I'd say I'm early. I like to be early. It's kind of a pet peeve of mine if I'm late. I mean, of course, you no one likes it when people are late. But for my own sake, I like being early, even if it's just like 30 minutes early, because I don't like being late to anything. Some people are, can be late. Some people just don't care. I was hanging out with some friends yesterday, and one of my friends is always known for being late. And I get it. Like, maybe you have better things to do. But still, man, like, if you have a plan that you made, like, why do you have to be late all the time? Come on, dude. You know who you're, you know who I'm talking about. He's probably not listening. Whatever. So, yeah. Second question. What's your dream car? (laughs) My dream car is the Nissan GTR R35. That's the newest. uh, Yeah, yeah. I guess the the, the most current Nissan GTR in uh, the GTR family lineup. For those that don't know, the GTR family are a series of high-end sports cars from the 1960s up until today. Uh, the the ones from back then were kind of stepping stones to the ones from the early to late 90s. The R32, R33, and R34 are probably best widely known as uh, drift cars or sport cars in Japan. Uh, they had a lot of power and torque, and they were known for their real rear all-wheel drive, rear wheel drive, forward wheel drive. One of those. <laughs> I goes show how much I know about these cars. But the reason why I like the GTR 35 is just the sleekness, the look. It's just it's a it's a monster. It's got like a beefy engine. The the Nismo version, which is Nismo's like their in-house tuning company, is probably my favorite. Also, it's kind of cool. The car is known as Godzilla in Japan. And one day I'm going to get one and just throw a Godzilla sticker on there. Not on the whole car. Probably just like a small one on the back window or on the gas tank or something. Question three. What dumb accomplishment are you most proud of? So I thought a lot about this. um, And I'm going to have to say my answer is pretty much related to this podcast. Uh, a few years before Elisa and I started this podcast, I had a gaming channel on YouTube. Yes, it was a saturated, I wouldn't say saturated. Well, it was a gaming channel that was a lot like the others. It was my buddy and I, we wanted to start a gaming channel because we were pretty much, we were upset with our jobs and we wanted to do things better. We wanted better lives. So we kind of put our frustration into this channel and played a bunch of games together, recorded them and put them online. It was cool. It was really cool to learn that process and kind of learn how to work together and editing videos and teaching him how to record and edit videos. Um, but ultimately, he and I kind of fell through with the idea. We just got busy with our personal lives and we found better jobs. And uh, yeah, we kind of just dropped it. It was It was fun, but there were just so many other gaming channels on YouTube that didn't really you know, that didn't really make it fun for us to keep going because something that you should probably never do when you're doing something like this is look at other people and think about how better they are than you. And that's kind of what we did. We were like, well, 
this is getting to be too much and we have more fun playing the games than we do recording them and forcing ourselves to act a certain way while quote-unquote on camera was not fun after a while so we just stopped pretty much i don't want to reveal what it was because it's kind of embarrassing (laughs) it was a few years ago so i don't know if you find it let me know but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna talk more about it (laughs) uh question number four what small gesture from a stranger made a big impact on you wow this is a good one i had a couple but i want i want to have a recent one i want to talk about a recent one So my girlfriend and I were leaving my apartment one day. This is like a month and a half ago. And this is in the morning too. I was going to work. She was going to school. And there's this random lady at the bus stop. And she sees us and she's already smiling. And I kind of look at her a little bit. But I look away because I'm like, this is weird. And she says, you two are a cute couple. And we look at each other like, thanks. And we just kept walking. And then, oh, man. It was so awkward and weird, but it did have an impact on me because I, I talked to my girlfriend after and I was like, wow, someone noticed <laughs> someone, someone that we don't know thinks that we're cute. So that was kind of nice. Um, yeah, I thought about it the whole day. I was like, why? first of all, why? Why did she say that? And second of all, thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it just made me think about how. How how thankful I am to be in this awesome relationship. Uh, And the fifth and final question, what incredibly strong opinion or belief do you have that is completely unimportant in the grand scheme of things? All right, this is going to get heated. Hopefully we get some discussion on this somewhere, but my strong opinion is don't put pineapple on pizza. It doesn't belong there. Seriously, just eat them separately. I don't understand why y'all got to put pineapple on your pizza. I understand there's a whole Hawaiian thing where it's like pineapple and ham. Even that isn't Hawaiian. Pineapples are not from originally from Hawaii. Um, So, yeah, just uh, leave it be. You know, don't do that. Please don't. There's a whole like in debate between some of my my high school friends and I. And we always talk about this. Well, not always. Um. We just we talk about this in a heated debate where we're like, okay, don't don't eat put pineapple on pizza. But some people are like all for that. Like I think most not most half of my friends from high school are into the idea, but half of us are like, don't do that. That's not good. It just it doesn't look good. It doesn't taste good. Yeah, it's it's. I personally think it's a weird ingredient. But if you don't think so, let me know. Let us know in the comments. To let us know if you either like or don't like pineapple on your pizza, you can email us at contact at downtime.live or go to our website at www.downtime.live. You can select the contact form and send us a question, comment, concern. Are you concerned that I don't like pineapple on my pizza? Let me know. You can also join our Discord um on our discord we always talk about games always talk about different stuff you can ask us a question there directly and we'll read it on the podcast to also let us know 
where uh you know if we're doing well if we're doing well in things if you like our podcast if you don't like our podcast i don't know why would you join our discord if you didn't like our podcast uh to join our podcast go to our website on the bottom left corner is the word community click on the word community and you will get invited to join our discord there is a five minute wait period when joining our discord because we've had some incidents where some some bots came in and started posting some inappropriate stuff and we had to deal with that so this is our way of dealing with that we also have a steam group uh you know look look for it on all of our social links wherever our social links are uh, if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, please do. We'll read it on the podcast. Right now, we think we have just, we have five stars, thanks to the two or three people that left stuff. And, uh, yeah, leave us a comment on YouTube or Podbean, wherever the podcast is. We will read the comment and take it from there. So, yeah, uh, shout out to uh, my buddy Shogo in Tokyo. I know you're listening, buddy. I miss you. Sorry I couldn't see you last trip, but uh, we'll hang out soon. Anyways, thanks for listening to the 112th episode of Downtime Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy, and have a good 